Okay, so yeah, I broke my Xbox. <laughs> I opened it up to try to clean it because I was just like, I was in the mood for cleaning like last weekend and I was like dusting stuff. I was dusting off. <laughs> I was dusting off my uh, my TV stand, and then I got to my Xbox. I was like, I should clean this out better because I've seen like videos of like really gross computers wait, wait, and consoles. Was it making like a sound? Was it like slow? No, was it... no. I was just, just I just, I, just I just wanted to clean it out to see if it was really dusty inside. Okay, so I feel you. Cracked it open. Wasn't too bad. Uh, like took it all apart, and then accidentally broke one of the wires on one of the little things, but. Luckily, I work in wire harness manufacturing, so I was able to fix it at work. Oh my god. But then I put it back together, and then it wasn't turning on properly. And so then I thought maybe I screwed up the little ribbon cable on the front panel, so I ordered a new one of those, replaced it, made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> so... Nope. Soiled it. Soiled so... It. So yeah, I'm out on Xbox, but I just ordered an I ordered a refurbished one today. So good for you. I, I've been le- I've been I've been looking for an excuse to upgrade because I had the original Xbox One, mm-hmm. and I hate that stupid power brick. So I upgraded to the Xbox One S, but no hard feelings because no Do you hard think feelings. That was a lesson to learn. Uh, yeah, don't open your consoles and just let them get as dirty as fucking possible. All right, lessons learned. Thanks. All right. Hey, guys, what's up? Welcome to Hop Topic, the show where three friends gather around the Skype, crack open a beer. I hope you guys are drinking it. Hey. So here's Water. the thing. While you were gone... I'm still eating this quarter pounder and a, a glass of wine with a McDonald's burger isn't really what I'm trying to eat right now. But in maybe like 20 minutes, I'll be drinking a glass of Merlot. Okay. Well, I am drinking uh, Sagatuck. Jesus Christ. Sagatuck, Sagatuck Brewing's Neapolitan Milk Stout. Love that. Sounds delicious. Yeah. And the bottle Vanilla really chocolate cool. strawberry beer. Get me... Get get it in my belly. Um, three bites in every sip. What a <laughs> what a claim. What a claim. I have to hide the the bottle caps so my cat doesn't get them. Um, but let me let me take a sip of this. I miss your cat. Me too. A nightmare. She's she's just being a nightmare all the time now. Really? Because my my sleep schedule is fucked up. Like I don't know what it is. I can't oh yo mine sleep. is too. Can we talk about that really quick? I want to know everybody's sleep schedule. How fucked is yours? Because mine is trash. Ready? So I'm going to sleep around like 4 a.m. Jeez. I'm waking up around like 11. <laughs> and I'm going about my business. That's like pretty much my day. I, I'm i in bed by 10. That's it? And then I'm up on my phone on either Reddit, YouTube, or something until about 12.31. You're so good. And then, and then I, I wake up at like eight if I'm on a work day or I guess the last two days I woke up like 10, 11. I feel like your worst day is my functioning day. (laughs) Mine is, so I still like work normally during the week. So I try not to be up too late because I have to wake up at like 6am. Uh, weekends I've been 
trying to go to bed like not terribly late like sometimes it ends up being like one two in the morning and then i'm trying not to sleep in super late because like i've had some weekends where i'm like in bed until like 12 and i'm like the days half gone and i didn't do anything that's and my biggest thing I hate, so i, I hate i've been trying i've been trying to like wake up on the weekends at like eight nine o'clock ish just so i have time to do stuff because i'm like really far behind on everything Speaking of the cat, so. here she is. She's inspecting the beer, making <laughs> sure it's good. Looking for loose bottle caps. All right, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, real quick. I'm gonna mute my mic for a bit because I'm gonna make myself a mixed drink, and there's gonna be some loud shaking noises. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate that. Um, this is gonna be a little bit of a different hop topic this week, uh, as there is a lot going on in the world. Uh, more so than has been over the last, God, how long has it been? Three, four months? I don't know. No idea. I mean, this whole this whole year has been... Where do you even start with 2020, right? Uh, you, I think you start in 2019. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Or I, or I guess, honestly, if we want to be real about it... Appreciate you. In, <laughs> And what was it? Uh, 1,492? <laughs> uh, kind of where we start to get to where we are right now. Take, take me there, Joey. Let's get to the origins of... <laughs> I don't think I don't think a white person issues. taking a black person there is a really good idea. Hi, I listen. That's how we got in this mess. I think we all have an obligation to speak, but also we have roles in the conversation, right? I think, obviously, there are points where you need to be silent and and listen but there are other points where i think other members of different demographics and different communities can be silent and listen and i think that's how we ultimately heal so i think it's on everybody i think if one party ultimately dominates the conversation or dominates the dialogue we lose the dialogue right so i think there's things that there are i or rather i think there are things that you should be leading in the discussion of and then there are things that i definitely should be leading in um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't talk. Definitely talk. Definitely speak. Definitely contribute if you can. But I think it's important that, and we should make the distinction, right, of, like, knowing when and when not to speak. Like, when when are you just, like, not helping? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we are going to be talking about the protests that are sweeping the nation. Yeah. We think it's way too important to not address uh, last week, we went silent on social media and didn't post an episode, uh, even though I made no mention of it and I'm a terrible promoter of this podcast and everything on our social media channels. Uh, but we did take uh, we did take a break because it just seemed like with everything going on, it didn't see, feel right to post anything. Um, but this week, we thought it'd be good to address it. We brought Andrew because Andrew is the most articulate, well-spoken human being I have ever met. That's and... not even possible. <laughs> It's definitely possible. I've not met many great people. <laughs> the problem isn't with the the problem isn't with the individual. It's with the bar. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> um, but we wanted to we wanted to take some time address uh, what's going on, um, because it would just be incredibly short sighted and uh, other. See, this is where Andrew being articulate and well spoken just really kind of beats me on it. I disagree. 
I think you're doing a wonderful job at introducing the topic. Um, because I also think, I think it's difficult because it's like, first of all, how do you even address like, like racism, right? It's so many, there are so many, um, systems in place. There are so many, um, infrastructures that we need to address. Um, and so if you want to sit down and have that conversation, you really need to like decide where you want to take it. Do you want to address like police brutality and the legal system and the reform that needs to happen there? Do you want to talk about employment discrimination? Do you want to talk about generational wealth and just like review history and, and kind of summarize um, why we see so many disparities we see today um, in the African-American community? Do you want to talk about healthcare and the disparities, that, uh, the education, you know? Like the, the, when we talk about like, like if we're going to have a podcast or, you know, a discussion about, again, racism, if that's like the general subject or the general header, um, it's, there's so many, it's, it's hard to even wrap your head around yeah. it because it's so um, interwoven into so many systems and so many um you know, staples of our society. So it, it's tough. Um, but one of the things that I think everybody is talking about right now, obviously, is police brutality, assault. Um, and they're really raising awareness to that, which feeds into criminal justice system, which feeds into the whole need for reform within the legal uh, structures that we have. We could talk about bail and how people are just like literally in prison right now because, or in jail right now because they don't have money. Like, so much of America and, and capitalism, once you realize, like, the, the the connection between capitalism and racism, it becomes so much more apparent to you why we need to address, like, wealth disparities, and then that opens up a whole conversation. So, I don't want to, like, take the conversation away, but I kind of want to, like, posited back to you in or volley it back to you in saying like where do you want to take it like like we could go so many different ways and we could talk about this for so many hours you know that's what i i think this is a good transition into andrew's own podcast that i'm gonna help him launch down the line no <laughs> uh no i think i think we should i mean like you said it you and you again said it incredibly like there there are so many facets that this whole protest and this whole era and what's going on in our society right now kind of stems from. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that gets lost in a lot of everything. We're like, mm -hmm. uh, when I speak to like my parents, uh, parent, uh, if I, if I could only be so lucky, uh, <laughs> <You> <laughs> um, <went there. laughs> uh, if parents, uh, when I see comments on, on threads, on Reddit, Facebook, all of that, um, a lot of people tend to think that this, this is just about one person who was killed in Minneapolis. And while he was definitely one of the major catalysts for it, I think this movement is definitely trying its best to address all of those things that Andrew, you mentioned. Um, but I think, I think focusing on the black lives matter movement, the protests that are going on right now, the police brutality, I think we can maybe fit that into an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, definitely. We can try. I don't think I'm not saying we could do it 100%. People do it. People do it in like 5-minute videos. Yeah, we can definitely do it. It you can definitely do it. You can make the conversation as abridged as you want it to be. Obviously, the the more you give and the more you flesh it out, I think the more fruitful the conversation will be and and the more people will get from it. But yeah, you can absolutely have the conversation. You can have a conversation in passing. 
you know, it, it, whether you're talking about just like implicit biases and like prejudices that we all have, um, or whether you're talking about like systemic racism and all of the institutions that I mentioned, like there's so much that we can talk about and it doesn't have to be a whole hour. It doesn't have to be uh, a whole three hours. It could be a five minute conversation. So let's get into it. I don't think we're going to do a five minute conversation on this one. Um, yeah, I don't think we should with the opportunity we have, but I'm just saying, like, that, that opportunity is there for you. The longest episode we've ever done was two hours and 11 minutes. I don't think we need to top that, but I think, I think it'd let's be weird if we Let's go for a Titanic, let's go for a Titanic grade. We're going to release this episode in parts. Two, two parts, yeah. Um, so what do you want to, you want to, do you want to, like, get into, I guess, like, does everybody have parts that they want to like subjects that they want to discuss or do we want to kind of break down kind of like the current events as they I I kind of want to like kind of just talk about like my experience with this one so like it obviously a lot of these different police brutality killing uh news stories have happened in the past and I always have seen Andrew very vocal about it and because it's something that affects him and is something he's passionate about and i've always i've been guilty of being just like really kind of silent about it and not really sure why i think it's probably just because like just i i don't know it's just it was one of the things where i didn't want to get myself involved i guess but then this one this one just really kind of rocked me and i think it rocked like the entire world really like it i mean obviously because obviously because we have like protests all around the world like all 50 states and 14 plus countries and whatnot but uh you taylor swift it where like you for most of your life you're just you know what i'm just gonna not say anything and just stay in the state supports quietly i guess i would say and yeah then one day you just couldn't you had a meeting with your with your pr team well maybe you didn't and you decided let's go but no like just like this one like it really kind of just like really hit me and i was like this is big and it's gonna be it's gonna explode into something big and i just like really didn't want to be quiet about it anymore so i definitely like was taking the time to really kind of just look at different posts that people were sharing and trying to share other one, like share some that I like really kind of felt made sense to me and um, trying to just learn more. Like I watched the, the Netflix documentary 13th and like, it just really just hit me. I was like, this is the stuff that I've been hearing Andrew talking about for years on his posts. And I just never took the time to really look into it more. And I felt really shitty about that. Um, so I definitely am still like in the process of uh, trying to educate myself more. And like, I've been trying to find some more like, uh, like videos and podcasts of like just people of color that are talking about this kind of stuff. Um, but even just some of the regular podcasts that I normally listen to, like it's affected them a lot too. And like, they usually have somebody that is black that is on giving their kind of input as well. Kind of like how we're doing right now with Andrew. Um, but I think it like, it really kind of was eye opening. I think for a lot of white people, um, 
just really kind of coming to terms with this is a thing and we're all guilty of it, whether we realize it or not. Like, it's not just saying, not like racism isn't just, oh, I hate black people and like I'm prejudiced against them. It's just like little things in life that you do that you may not even realize are racist in a sense. And it, and, and no one likes being called a racist. So like, that's why a lot of these, a lot of these like smaller things, people get really fired up if you call them out on it. Because, like, I'm not a racist, but it's like, uh, what you just did, like, what you're saying right now, like, all lives matter or blue lives matter, like, yeah, they do, but, like, they're not being targeted right now. <laughs> right. But the poor blue guys that Eiffel 65 have been trying to warn us about <laughs> since the mid-90s. <laughs> I think my favorite, like, way to describe the whole all lives matter situation um, was like with the burning house analogy mm-hmm. and it's like if you see in a neighborhood someone's home is on fire you're all going to be like that house is on fire let's go put it out and so everybody grabs a hose and they go to extinguish the fire and then you have one neighbor who comes out and they're like well my all houses matter like my house matters why aren't you like, pouring water in my house why are you like spraying my house water it's like okay but yes all houses matter like i like my house you like your house we all like our houses but like that house is on fire. Like we need to mm-hmm. be directing our attention specifically to that house. And I think that that is like the thing that most people are missing. At least every single time when I have conversations with people who say things like all lives matter or blue lives matter, um, whether they are, it's either they don't realize that those things are derived from black lives matter specifically to subvert, um, uh, and divert attention from black lives matter. But, um, the other times, it's just people don't understand this concept of, like, there's a community in need that you need to be placing at a higher, like, <laughs> elevated caliber of, of caring relative to maybe yourself. Because right now, for you, it's okay. Like, for you in this moment, you're living pretty great. Um, and you actually are in a position where you can provide resources, time, finances to help that person who is in need. Um, so that is like the thing that just I guess boggles my mind when people like still say things like all lives matter or blue lives matter. It's like if you can't think beyond yourself to recognize that it isn't about you and that it is about you know people who aren't as privileged as you or people who don't have the resources that you have. If you can't think on that that wavelength, it's like it's a different breed to me. I, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I remember like when when. I think the first Black Lives Matter protest happened. I was one of the people that said, well, no, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think for that, the duration of that protest, however long it was, I was on in that camp. But the more that I hung out with Andrew and the more that, like, I, I thought about it and realized it and the way that you explained it, it did. It made sense. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm just being wrong. Just being, just being a little dick over here. Uh, that's And that's, like, a whole other thing. Like, we need to normalize people just, like – being wrong like you can be like oh that was ignorant all right and then like that hour be like all right black lives matter like you don't need to like make a big formal apology you don't need to like sit in your like remorse for being ignorant for like a week like you can immediately acknowledge like that's how people learn and like if we're supposed to like encourage uh, advancements as a society if we want progression then we need to be able to allow people to be like yeah i fucked up 
Alright, and now I'm going to be like the most vocal champion for this cause because I understand the value in it and and why it's important because I came from that place of office. Even, even if you, like, I mean, I don't want to say you necessarily have to become the biggest champion. Not to say, like, you should. You right, should, right, right. But like, at least stop your rhetoric that you realize you're spewing that's not correct. Right. Um, I know I've, I've been devolving into so many Facebook, Reddit, comment threads. Uh, because I just can't help myself. I really can't. And I wish I could because it's killing my mental health. Um, but I've unfollowed almost every like public thing that I could because I'm just – I will look at the comments if I can. But I still like the NFL on, on Facebook. And I'm shocked at how many people are actually – pro uh, black lives matter on it whenever they post something they are always scrutinizing it because they'll come out and say something and everyone's like well what about what did what you did to uh, Ka kaepernick what about this this it's nice that you're acknowledging it but now we want to see you do like people are being really good and then there are also the people that are just absolute shitheads that are just commenting inane crap um, and I remember seeing there was like uh, an older woman posted all lives matter and like a little blurb as to why and someone shared, I think it was, I don't know if it was either the, the sheep metaphor or the fire metaphor. There are a million metaphors now. Yeah, there really are. There really for are. For why Black Lives Matter matters more than All Lives Matter. And someone shared one of them. And the lady said, wow, like, that's that actually really changed my perspective. Like, that... And I'm not saying it's going to happen for everyone because I know I know damn well there are a lot of people, no matter what you, you show them, no matter how much logic you show, they're going to... Oh, my God. Fight. Sorry to, like, uh, cut you off, but literally, if you just Google hashtag George Floyd challenge, you're, you're yeah. going to be flooded with people putting their knees on their children's necks, friends putting their knees on each other's necks, like, people who genuinely think this is a game, people who are defending this as just police doing what police need to do. I mean, and, and, it, and it goes on and on. Like, it's not even just the George Floyd case. You can look at <clears throat> what happened with the Buffalo, New York police, with the old man who was a, a long, long-time social activist, you know, pushed over, clearly pushed over, um, onto the concrete, head hits the ground, Blood's pouring out of his ears. An officer, like you pointed out, went to go pick him up. The officer pulls him away. They come out, and they're like, oh, he slipped and he fell. Even after there's video evidence of it. You know? So it's like no matter what, I think there's always going to be people that, like, don't get it. Um, and so I just wanted to, like, interject just briefly to, like, say, like, we know that. But that's not the point. Like, the point is to say the majority of us, <laughs> we still need to be, like, we got it's. It's crazy because, like, I feel like I've reached a lot of more – definitely more radical views uh, thanks to everything that's going on. So, like, some that other people have presented to me. Like, I had a conversation with one of our mutual friends, Brian, uh, right. that you know because uh, he posts all of this. Not I even love him. I love him. He, he randomly – he randomly reached out to me one day after I liked one of his statuses for like the 30,000th time. And he's just he was like, hey, are you okay? Like just wanted to check in, see how everything's going. And he goes, if you ever have any questions or anything about why I post the things that I do or anything like that, please feel free to talk to me. And we had like a very good, very long discussion about defunding the police. And like he he is definitely very radical. He's not a libertarian or he's not a he's not a, a liberal. He's not conservative. He's his own. No, he's leader. left. He's left wing, not liberal. Yeah. He's like to the, and I am also like to the left. It's it's and he shared like videos with me of like how 
Because, like, when you say things like defund the police or even go as far as to abolish the police, like, I can yeah. easily see every time I've said that to anyone, they immediately jump to, well, all the, all this Yeah, stuff. they're jarring. Those words are very jarring. And, like, mm-hmm. and like I definitely don't think – maybe even in our lifetime will we actually go to that length of being able to get it. I hope so. But it's made me, it's made me realize, like, those – those declarations are not so radical when you really think about them. One that I've come <laughs> uh, a thing that I've come to on my own is I am starting more and more to believe that <laughs> the United States should not be the United States anymore. And I think we should <laughs> inject 50 new countries into the world uh, <laughs> because our country is too damn big. It is massive. Like yeah, there's even some of the states are too damn big. Mm-hmm. Like you can be driving three hours in Texas and you're still in Texas. Yep, it's true. Like I think if we went on a and this I don't I haven't thought this through, but this is just something that popped into my head one day. I'm like, damn, that might be a good idea. Um, but like, just like some kind of European Union with the states, where like because no one's gonna agree on everything. No one. But can I ask you a question? Do you think that that would solve the problem, or would that make more problems? <laughs> I have no idea. It just sounded cool to me, and it sounded like... Like, it does sound really cool, and I'm all about it, because it's very, like, Patrick from Spongebob, let's take the stupid people and (laughs) somewhere else, right? But then what I fear is that then you just take all of the stupid people and allow them to have a country where there are people then who are subject to that might, right? And those are the people that we ultimately worry about. Those are the disenfranchised people. And so it's like... How do we address the root issue? Like, how do we get to a, a nirvana where we have this peace where everybody can just live regardless of their race, their religion? You know, all of the American values that we write on these statues and all of these monuments that we have been fighting for that we still don't have. How do we get there? You know, and that's... I think I think that's one of the things that, like... So I, I wanted to save this for a little bit later, but I'm really curious because... I mean, I, I haven't done any formal research into it, but, like, I feel like you'd be able to answer this question very well. What do you think would be a good end goal? Not to say that we, like, what is something that you think, not that it would happen this way, but that Congress, uh, the president, whichever president we end up having, uh, comes out and says X or something gets ratified or passed or an executive order or something – what do you think happens that alleviates most of this? As in, like, I mean, I don't think if, I don't think anyone can come out and say any one thing and then right. protest stop. People are okay. Everyone's happy. I'm sure it'll right. happen eventually. But what what do you think are like the things that we're looking for? Because I know I keep seeing, um, what was it, Bowser uh, from DC put the giant in ye- yellow lettering "Black Lives Matter" down Lafayette Square. Uh, and and renamed it yeah. Black Lives Matter Square, uh-huh. which is all well and good, but uh, someone commented like, "Did anyone ask for this? Like, right. we're, this isn't what we want. We don't want just like people to acknowledge it. We want people. We want change, and that's what that's what protests. It's a very makes. like thoughts and prayers kind of thing, and it's, yeah. like, it's nice. We appreciate it, but like, what does it fundamentally change? Um, kind of a kick in the teeth of the president, but we need something a little bit more substantial. I'm all for that, but. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's tough because, again, it's like you said, it's not one thing. But I know one of the most powerful tools I think that we have next to just knowledge 
is like our right to vote. Like it needs to be people who understand that white privilege is a thing, that systemic racism is a thing, that we have a history that has got us to hear. It's not like George Floyd is this isolated incident. It's not like, you know, Black Lives Matter is an insul- uh, like an isolated movement. These are things that are happening in the context of a long-standing history that we can address through education, but also through voting. And if we get people to understand these in these um these uh like systems in place, I think then we can address them through legislature. Like we can get people who are voting in sheriffs who aren't, you know, racist <laughs> or who have a grandfather who was in the Klan. Um, we can get judges who are not um, sentencing uh, people of color uh, and uh, black people and brown people, especially at higher rates uh, to jail for like petty crimes, uh, like drug misdemeanors and traffic violations. You know, we can look at why it is the fact that these people are getting arrested more often than their white counterparts, and what can we do to address that in a legal context? Um, I, I feel like to answer your question in a not answer your question way, it's like vote. Like, like the power of like living in a democratic republic is that we individually have the power, but that individual voice doesn't mean anything it has to be the republic. <laughs> it has to be. It's a democratic republic. So we have to use our voices to come together to then make that change. And it happens on multiple levels, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and like I'm trying to express. It's like it's it, it's it's not like Congress can right now just say like even right now we have like an anti-lynching bill that's being shuffled around in the Senate, and it's like we can't even agree that lynching is bad. Like you've got senators like Rand Paul saying, "Well, we can't argue, we can't pass this bill because the 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 words in the bill, including like uh, bruises, cuts, abrasions, don't constitute a lynching in the historical context of Emmett Till and other people who were lynched." And then you got other people on the Democratic side who are saying that's exactly the point. It's the fact that we don't need to have people who are dead before we call it a lynching. Yeah. It's the fact that we need to be able to say you were attacked and that is a lynching so we can dissuade the society that we have that has kind of believed lynching to only be if somebody's in a casket. That is like that that is what we're talking about. It's like the power of the legislature, but even that right now is being held up because we can't agree. Like there's this impasse in the knowledge, right? It's this understanding. So it's two things. It's one, I think, like, the end goal is going to come through us as a society voting and putting in policies and structures to protect marginalized communities. And it's also going to be us to educate not only our generation and past generations, but the future generations Mm -hmm. so that they don't, A, make the same mistakes, and B, understand why we have to uphold the new constitutions and the new policies that we put in place because of the fact that we have learned from our predecessors. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of... That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, like, it it has been, like, a really cool experience to see because, like, I'm noticing in all of the good pictures that I'm seeing coming out of like the peaceful protests and all the people like, did anyone see that picture of the Benjamin uh, Franklin Parkway? Yes. Uh, the other day. Uh, no. how many- There's so much peace it's, happening around the world. It's all inspiring. It's, it's not even that, it, not even that it's peaceful. Just like how many people have you ever been 
I mean, you probably you probably have, but have you ever been on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway, Eric? Yes. Uh, is your name Eric? Probably. I just don't know what it it's, is. It's offhand. that it's that large circle uh, with the fountain in the center, right in front of the oh, National yeah. Art Museum. Uh, the what is it like a five to six car turn uh, lane turnaround or roundabout? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That whole thing I hate and that. more was <laughs> um was completely covered in people like. That had to have been thousands of people. Um, and it just makes, it gives me a lot of hope that like this many yeah. people are coming together. They're willing to go out during this, this virus, which is insane. Yeah. Like mind too. you, it's like in the midst of the virus, right? Cause there'd be more people. That's the thing that's also in, that I love, I love seeing from people where they're like, they immediately deflect and change it from, huh, I thought we had a virus to worry about now. Uh, now it's okay because we're out protesting. It's like, well, you should see that as a different thing of like, if you frame that in the right context of there are, there's a virus going around that's killing people, but this is so important that people are willing to forego that because they see the importance of this movement and they see it's it, the change and enacting change is more important than worrying about this virus right now. That's how powerful that's point A. Is. That's point A. Point B of probably A, B, C, D, E, all the way through Z is like, you have a constitutional right to protest. I have a constitutional right. You do not have a constitutional right to haircuts. You do not have a constitutional right to, to picnics. You don't, have a you don't have a constitutional right to those things. Yes, we live in a free country, and those are things that we want in our societies, but we are living in a public health crisis. This is a global pandemic. So in light of those, you're comparing apples and oranges, first of all. You're, you're dealing with something that, like, stay-at-home orders are to keep you safe, to keep our public alive and well. And then this is something where people are rightfully angry. <laughs> people are upset because injustice had happened and justice had not been served. And they were exercising a constitutional right. And then for you to then come in and then say, well... Why is that okay? But this is not okay. I, for me, I don't even get the comparison. I think because I don't I, know. Go ahead. I think my favorite part that I've seen referencing this is someone made a tweet or a, a post where it showed two people uh, tweeting things uh, back at like one from April and one from now where someone said, um, this is insane. This is losing my constitutional rights. I should be able to go out and, and go to a bar or do whatever I want because like it, the government shouldn't be able to tell you that. And then then like two months later, turn back, turn around and tweet and say, well, if they didn't want to get tear gassed, they should have just stayed home. Like the government told them to like, just like the yeah, uh, one, completely <laughs> 180. Like, it's just so insane. And like, they don't see it. I've seen so much of that. Like, Wearing the mask in stores, people are like, oh, that's infringing my constitutional freedoms. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what about the places that are like, no shirt, no shoes, no service? Yeah. Like <laughs> right, right. It's, again, point A, B, C, D, it's just so dumb. We need to rebrand uh, the United States. If, if, we don't, if we don't negate it into 50 new countries, we need to rebrand. Because the land of the free is confusing everyone here. Because they think some some orange members of our society think that free speech means that you can use a private platform to say whatever you want and they can't do anything about it. Some people think 
that you can say anything you want and there'll be no repercussions. Free speech does not it, – it's my biggest pet peeve is how little people understand um, – what's it called? Uh, free speech. Or some shit. Um, all right. So really sorry for that. We had a little bit of a minor dis- difficulty, which is the first time <laughs> in eight episodes that we did. Um, but now back to the action. Sorry, we cut off there for a second. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, like free speech is just, it's so comically misunderstood in this country and people think that it just means anything. And it's my biggest pet peeve that, that people just, anything to them is free speech, especially, especially when it's free speech to them, but when it applies to something they don't like, it doesn't apply. Yes. I feel like you could, we could do a whole, like, we could talk about just like, People who are mad at stay-at-home orders and are comparing, like, the protests to those stay-at-home orders, we could have a whole conversation about those people. Because those people, for me, they represent so much. They represent so much of that is part of the issue. It's, it's so nuts. They can say, as soon as they see, as soon as they get yelled at for a Confederate flag, or they scream that they want to say the N-word, however they want, but... When some that's fine, that's their freedom of speech. But when someone wants to kneel during a a, a, an, a national anthem for a protest, they immediately go. They immediately become experts and say, "Well, he works for a private company," and they can, like immediately then they know what it means. Um, you know what my favorite gag about that whole thing was? Um, just because you brought up the protests about the national regarding the national anthem. Do you remember? Do you know Laura Ingram on Fox? Yeah. So she was in headlines I, recently. I think I saw that. Because back when Cap was protesting uh, and got fired, um, LeBron James had come out to stand with him, and Laura was dragoned. Laura was mad. Laura was like, shut up and dribble. Like, we don't need your politics. You're not a voted-in politician. You don't have a political opinion that people care about. Like, you're just dragging the shit out of him, right? Then, some, like, random... Caucasian NFL man who I literally don't know. Roger Goodell. Recently. Was it Drew Brees? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I saw this. And he came out and he was just like, you know what? People need to put their hand over their heart for the national anthem. Cause what it means to me is my grandfather's served and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. You know what it means to you is fine. The problem is, that's not what it means to your black teammates, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what it means to me and other black Americans. So when we protest peacefully against police brutality, you don't have to participate in that if you don't want to. That's America, right? I can't force you to understand white privilege, racism, etc. I can't force you to be a good person. But you can't tell people that they can't exercise their fundamental constitutional rights to protest in a peaceful format, which might I remind you, Kaepernick got approval to kneel Mm -hmm. by a vet. Like, he went out of his way to ask a service member, how can I peacefully and respectfully protest police brutality? And the man who served told him to kneel during the anthem. So, like, it is just so crazy to hear people then say, it's disrespecting my family who served in the armed forces. When a member of the armed forces said, this is how I would have you respect me and what I did. 
so that you could have your right. It's in this free country. I'll say I even saw so I, I will say I saw someone post about that where they were like they said that he he asked a veteran and someone said, Well, that veteran doesn't speak for me. And mm-hmm. and what's okay with that veteran doesn't have to be okay with me. And I said that's and I thought that's right. That's true. You don't have to think that's okay. But the same at the same token, it's it's his right he doesn't have to believe in your view. Exactly. Exactly. It goes both exactly. ways. Um and my but the Drew Brees thing was insane to me. Especially because multiple teammates of his have come out. He's gonna have. I am so excited oh, to yeah. see his te- his uh, thing, and especially because it's the Saints, and I fucking hate the Saints. But uh, <laughs> it's it's insane to me, and like it with with what he said too, um, and then p- apologizing and seeing people say the the irony of this of everything that's going on is like. I saw an article that was the onion has, uh, has gone under because they can't come up with anything as ridiculous as what's actually yeah. going on. Yes. Um, but someone, all the people commenting on the Drew Brees thing, he shouldn't have to apologize. He should stay. I applaud him for standing up for what he believes in. Oh, you lost, re- you lost respect for me because you won't stand up for what you believe in. What the fuck do you call a protest? What is the definition of a protest? It is standing up for what you fucking believe in and actually doing something about it. Taking action. Saying something on Instagram. Posting a goddamn stock photo of a black hand and a white hand shaking hands. When the man plays a sport where you know there are photos of him shaking a black quarterback's hand or anything. He could have shown any picture of that. No. Just... Find a generic stock photo, throw that up on there, throw it, throw a head. A watermarked Getty image. A watermarked Getty image. (laughs) But you know, that's the the beauty of like, it was so transparently bad. It was so transparently not sincere. And I'm glad that we're laughing about it because it means that people are woke. Like Mm -hmm. that's the, the beauty of it for me. In, in hearing the reception and, and seeing the reception not be received because he didn't apologize, right? No, That's no. not an apology no. and we can all acknowledge that. So if you're going to apologize, apologize. Like if you really genuinely mean what you're saying, mean it. And like you're saying, act on it. And then especially if you're like a multimillionaire, right? Let's see some donations. Let's see that mm-hmm. money talking, right? And Let's that, put that, that money into action. That's the other thing that got me too is everyone was like, I can't believe people are coming out against Drew Brees. He has done so much for the Louisiana community, for blacks and whites in the community, blah, blah. He has done so much. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure I could dig through Hitler's uh, portfolio and see that he might have done one or two good things for someone just because you did good things doesn't mean you get a free pass on everything doesn't mean no you're allowed to be beyond scrutiny no you right. do something fucked up you mess up you fuck up uh, if, if you apologize for it build on it try not to act on it even if you even if drew Brees doesn't turn around and start posting black lives matter posts every fucking hour of every day for the next three years even if he doesn't do that as long as if he stops and denounces what he said and stops preaching the the rhetoric. It's something. It's a start. Stopping, stopping preaching what you, when you realize you're wrong. Stopping what you're saying is good enough action. Honestly, it's good enough. If you don't, if you don't want to take the extra step and just start posting shit on social media, go to rallies. You don't want to do any of that. That's fine. But just stop posting your opinion that you had that you realized was wrong, and that's one less voice that's that's watering down what's happening. And that's, and that's, that's a powerful, like, 
turnaround back to the mm-hmm. top of the hour, which was like, you need to know when to shut the fuck mm-hmm. up. Know when you are contributing to the conversation, and then also know when it's not your time to speak. And like, in this case, he needs to apologize, and then just shut the fuck up. Because nobody needs to hear your opinion right now. And no one's gonna shit on you for not talking. No one's gonna be mad at you for not talking. Right. Exactly. Make, like you're saying, make way for the voices who, first of all, already we know historically don't get hurt. Like these are people who we need to hear and we know historically that they are disenfranchised. They write books, they write poems, they do artwork. And then we dig this shit up like decades later and we're like, oh my God, she was writing about racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia back in the whatever time. Yeah. If you had listened to them when they were alive, well, if you had listened to them when they were crying out, we could have mitigated so many of the heartache, so many of the so much of the hurting, centuries ago. You know, so big, big, big kudos to shutting the fuck up when you need. I to. hate. <laughs> I can't stand people who don't think celebrities should have an opinion. Um, yeah, like because they're private citizens first. They're private citizens. They didn't, they, I mean, yeah, they probably asked for it. They've worked their ass off to get to where they are, but like no one's going to ask No one on Fox news is going to go, well, Joe Schmo tweeted the other day and we're going to take this voice and we're going to, no, <laughs> if someone, if a, that's how change happens is someone with influence and power speaks out against it. Taylor Swift influenced <laughs> 250,000 people to register to vote in a weekend. Just by coming out and talking about voting. I love that. That's important. Even if, even if they weren't voting for the, whatever, whoever she was voting for getting 250,000 people. I think it was that I might be misquoting the number, but I remember it was a lot getting that many people to go out and, and register to vote. That's important. How can you look at that and say, shut up, just sing songs. But wait, but let me tell you something, because I'm going to wrap up what I was talking about with Laura Ingram to speak yes. to your point right now. With the Drew Brees situation, she ate that shit up. Mm-hmm. She was like, he's a good man. He's a he's a beautiful man. He, we need to listen to what he has to say. So in speaking to your point, it's not that a lot of people feel like these celebrities shouldn't have an opinion. It's that they don't like when their opinion is not in line with what they feel. Mm-hmm. And what we know also when we watch like the Oscars, when we watch the Grammys, when we watch these big gatherings of Hollywood, a lot of them are left leaning. A lot of them denounce Trump. A lot of them stand with Black Lives Matter. A lot of them stand with the Me Too movement. A lot of them are very pro LGBT. So it's not shocking when we find a lot of celebrities using their platform, like Taylor Swift, using their platform, Gaga, Beyonce, every, all of them really, to advocate for a lot of the marginalized communities that the left and the Democratic Party tend to champion. And I think it's interesting when you see right-wing news organizations or right wing like Tommy Loren or whatever the hell her name is, <laughs> um, whenever they come out and they say things like, well, don't talk about it because you're in this sphere of entertainment and you don't get to cross over into this sphere of politics. It's like, no, because the second, the second they can herald somebody like Kanye West who comes out and says something in favor of Trump, they eat that up, right? So to speak to your point, it's not that celebrities aren't allowed to have a voice and it's not that people don't want celebrities to have a voice. It's that 
people get offended when those voices are not in line with their own. To which I say, fuck you, get over it, right? Because A, that's how you grow. Like if you then have a celebrity who feels some type of way, you then need to challenge your opinions. You need to say, well, do I agree with this person or do I not? And is this somebody that I want to align with in the future? That's it. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. You don't have to. That's the end of it, you know? But don't sit here. And But the, the hypocrisy is the issue I have. If you're going to come out and condemn Cap and other people and LeBron and, uh, and other, you know, af- particularly of color uh, sports, uh, members of sports, that's, that's hold the that other damage to everybody, man. you know? Hold it to everybody. But don't come out and say you can't talk about this and then go up when somebody is like well they're they're echoing my sentiments so that that's okay it's so it's so bad too when you look at it and it's she denounced the two black guys speaking up and immediately praised the white guy like that's i know like the optics of it too like that's the other thing like whether or not you can even like i mean listen I'm not here to say Laura Ingram is a racist, even though I may think that she is, but like the optics of it, it's like you couldn't even write it better if you wanted to write a villain, right? It's like she dragged all of the black people, and then the first chance she gets, she's your like white Christian, and she's like, oh, yep, she's the one. So if, if, if that doesn't like make your skin crawl a little bit, if that doesn't make your hair stand up when you see things like that, and it looks too real to be true, like too racist... It is, because remember this, 1957 was when black people and white people could go to school together. 1969 is when black people and white people could get married legally. Like, it is not far removed from the history today Mm -hmm. that, like, very explicitly, overtly racist, like, like, I am drinking at a separate water fountain than you type of racism was happening. Like, your parents, Mm -hmm. your grandparents, etc. So, like... To think that, like, that's not at all happening today when you see people like Laura Ingram calling out all people of color and then praising, like, seemingly praising only white people? Uh Uh-uh. I'm not buying it. Like, that, that that should make your hair go up. That should make your skin crawl. Because we are not far from removed. We are not far removed from that history. And I think that, like, whenever... I just want to end with this and say that, like, whenever I hear people, like say, oh, well, like, if I was living in that time, like, I would stand up. Or if, like, I was living in that time, like, that would never be me. Like, that's wrong. Like, we would have seen that. And, like, we always look back on history with this, like, um, this, like, kind of, like... Rose-colored glasses. Superior, like, oh, we we, we would know better. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we're living in it, we li- Like, there are detention camps right now <laughs> in the southern border of the United States where children will never see their parents again. Like, that, like... We are living in that reality right now, and people are complicit, and that's the reality. I think. I think my thing too is like to go off of what you said. Uh, I, 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 you reminded me of two things that I thought of. Um, one, it's uh, the other thing with celebrities and their opinions. Sorry to circle back on this, but like, no, go for it. it historically, celebrities utilize like using the weight of their opinions have led to incredible change. And I posted this not too long ago because I found it. I forget where I found it, but I never saw anyone post it since. So I felt a little special that I found something. But uh, Frank Sinatra is largely credited with desegregating the casinos of Las Vegas uh, because he had it in his rider that they would have to admit. uh, What was it? Was it Sam Cooke? Um, One 
uh, one of the black singers, he would have to have a room in that thing and they would not let, like, so they had to allow for this to happen and desegregate it. And he refused to put up with the, with the racist policies that they, that the strip did. And he was such a big ticket item that they could not say, no, we're not going to acquiesce to that because they'd lose so much money and it made it. So the strip desegregated. Not uh, also the Beatles when they refused to uh, perform to a segregated crowd when they came to Jacksonville, they had it in their rider. They would not do that. They did that in multiple cities. They did that in Canada, America. Whenever they came over here, they said, yeah. What was it? Like? I saw uh, Ringo uh, like shared something that Paul posted about about that, and like they and like after that happened, they like wrote it in their contracts. They're like need to have like can't have segregated audiences and stuff and that's really kind of powerful and that's the thing it's like that is what enacts change and like that seeing that happen on that scale like we couldn't do that if if i went into a casino in las vegas and said no 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 i'm not gambling here unless you let um unless you let uh black people come in and gamble with me they'd be like well fuck you we don't know who you are get out of here like right we don't have the i think you you don't have the leverage. You yeah. don't have the power, and that's right? The, and that's what it's all about. But then the other side of the coin is the only way that someone like me or you or Eric or anyone gets that leverage is through protests. So to say, yeah. like, like we're doing what, what we hope celebrities can help do because that's the only way we get the same push or pull that they do. Um, and another thing that you mentioned that, like, actually has never crossed my mind until, I guess, this exact moment. But I never – you never really think about history and I'm realizing how whitewashed my education was where oh yeah I didn't even really I not that I didn't think it existed but segregation as a concept and through this country never really felt taught until the 50s or 60s like I never like if I think back to when my grandma was born 1935 I don't think of her having grown up in a segregated society I don't like I don't think like I think oh 1935 Great Depression, uh, World War II on the brink. That's it. I don't think, oh, yeah, segregation was in full swing here, if not worse than it was in the 50s and 60s. Like, that, I never realized as a, a, like, until now, like I just said, just this moment, that, like, yeah, that was a problem that just kept going. It didn't just go Civil War and, all right, cool, okay, now we're going to slowly slip back into segregation and do that. Like, that was a, a long-standing problem that I was never, I, I wasn't even taught or, touched on until we got yeah. to the 60s um yeah and even so i'll be completely honest aside from i guess the abolition of segregation what what did those protests accomplish and what were they seeking to accomplish besides uh obviously abolishing uh abolishing uh segregation you know these are good questions that your public history <laughs> teacher should have taught you these are things that we all should understand you know we should uh, we should all understand the continuity of slavery, right? To Jim Crow, segregation to today with mass incarceration, and we should understand that whole timeline. And and we don't, we we really don't because we were not taught, and that's so mm-hmm. frustrating. It's aggravating. But again, it's like we talked about earlier. Part of the issue is education, right? Where people don't know. Like half of it is just like, how do we get enough people to realize that they're playing the game or that they're playing a game so that we can be the winning team 
right? Because right now we've just got a lot of people on the field and it's like, there's just chaos. And like some people are organizing teams, but like it's not enough people really for us to win the game yet. And if anything, we're, we're losing. <laughs> if anything, we've been losing to this point. You know, we, there's progress that's been made, but clearly not enough progress has been made such that we have situations like George Floyd, such that we have situations like Ahmaud Arbor, such that we have situations like Trayvon Martin, such that we have situations um, like uh, uh, Eric Garner, such that we have situations like Tendra Bland. You know, it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. So, and, and this is not even, you know, this is within a decade. So this is ridiculous. And, and at a certain point, it's like, we, we need that reform in the education system, right? So then we call on voting, right, which was the other piece of the puzzle, to then implement policies, right? Like when New Jersey passed legislature, I think last year or two years ago, to start teaching LGBT history in schools, and everybody was up in arms about that. A lot of people didn't understand why we did LGBT history, even though it's very pertinent and relevant to American history, because there are gay Americans <laughs> that exist. Um, but it's just like, that is what we need. Like, we need laws that are put in place to mandate that public schools, right, discuss these things. Because it's like you said, I didn't even know about it, right? And if you leave it to people discovering these things on their own, they either may never discover it, they might read something that's inaccurate, and then go down that rabbit hole, right? We don't want that. So it's up to us. That's what, like, me and Eric actually had a, an interesting conversation about that the other day in a roundabout way where um, one of our favorite channels that we watch a lot of rooster teeth uh, is going through a lot of stuff with everything that's going on uh, specifically with one of their members is a black gay female on an, on an otherwise almost all male channel of like video games and stuff. And she's just had to endure incredible beratement that I can't even fathom. And then me and Eric like it, receiving, like receiving death threats for not being good at GTA. Imagine, <laughs> like, imagine that. But, um, but like, and, and to be fair, like me and me and Eric both, I'm sorry to out you Eric without asking you prior, but we both like admitted, like, we don't like her. We don't like the videos that she's in, blah, blah. And we both realized we're like, we both said it. We were like, we thought we didn't like her. Cause we just didn't think she was funny. And we had like all these reasons that we, which could be like, legitimate like, reasons, which could, which could be legit. But we also yeah. looked and we're like, do we just like her? Cause she's there were not. some things that we actually enjoyed that she did. Yeah. And there, <laughs> like, was, there were some nice things that she did and that we enjoyed. And we're like, well, do we, is this like us just being like racist? And, and like, I don't want to, I obviously I don't want to be called racist, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was ended up being the case that like, that's why mm -hmm. I didn't end up liking her. But then we also point, we also pointed out that like, we, we, I think, um, we said, yeah, like maybe I, I probably, she was probably just hired because she, they just to diversify the channel. And we're like, well, we don't have to exactly. like, like, that's the point. Yeah. yeah like like, and, <laughs> and that was the thing is like, we don't have to like every video. Like we don't have to like her videos. We don't have to watch her videos. And I, I, I said, I remember I said, um, we have enough content that is for us that we can enjoy. And when I said that, I was like, we, for we the don't white male audience. Yeah. We have enough. Like Wolf, if, just if they take a small section of it and it's and it's not target it's not content geared towards us we'll be okay we have plenty of it and it made that me realizing that made me realize why like movies like uh what was that one about the little girl uh, ps i love you um or to all the boys i loved to all the boys i loved with the uh, asian protagonist uh, mm -hmm. crazy rich asians um what's the one that came out uh with the indian girl um 
Uh, it was a Netflix show. Uh, some, there was a Netflix show, I, I, Never Have I Ever, or something like that, um, where it's all of these protagonists of different ethnicities and different things. And I'm like, even, and I watched a couple of them, but I just couldn't get into it. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't need that. Like, right. that's not for me. If it, even if it isn't, even if it, it could be for me, but if yeah. it's not, I shouldn't be offended about that. Like, I have enough. I have so many movies. If I want to watch a movie where I relate to where there's a white guy doing whatever the fuck, anything in the world, I can watch a movie about a white guy buying a goddamn zoo. And I can find it. I can find a movie about a white guy being a goddamn mall cop. It doesn't matter. I'll find it. <laughs> I love that you're like... I will say... Oh, no, go ahead. I will say, I did just watch Crazy Rich Asians recently, and it is a good movie. You should definitely watch it. It's so fantastic. <laughs> it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. But but I love that you recognize the power of visibility because that's such a thing, that's like a big thing that people talk about. Especially that, that's something I never understood. Like I, that was something that I always wondered. Was like, like why why does it matter if there's a black guy? No, or but not? it and does. Like, and when you literally do you remember with uh, Little Mermaid, right? When Disney announced that they were gonna cast the Black Little Mermaid, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, it's a Black Little Mermaid!" <laughs> and people didn't understand why they would change a character who's canonically white you know, to make her black. And it's about the power of being able to see yourself on that screen. You, as a white male, Mm -hmm. have multiple avenues, multiple ways to see yourself. Magazine covers, movie covers, literally covers, (laughs) just about anything. I walk into a Kohl's and every poster of models is just a white guy in (laughs) everything, everywhere I go. The real problem is black men have to try on, or black people have to try on more clothes than white people because they can't see themselves in the clothes. That's what I'm trying to say. That's another system (laughs) that we need to dismantle. This is what I'm talking about. But, like, that's the point. It's the power of visibility. So I think it's good that you can acknowledge that. I, I think it's also interesting. Um, we actually had uh, an all-associate town hall at the company that I work for now, um, which is a, a very, 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 very large company, um, Fortune 10. And and I've seen every, every fucking company. It's amazing to me on Facebook now, right now, because – you're not you don't even remember how many companies you liked on Facebook because but now you do because you're they're all saying like the Black Lives Matter stuff. Every single one. I got one from like a random magic uh magic the gathering site that I followed yeah. like eight thousand years ago that I haven't seen them post anything on. Um like all of these companies coming out and saying Black Lives Matter being a part of the movement. And it got me thinking, I'm like, okay, that is the easiest PR move in the world. Right. Obvious all it takes is writing a small quick thing of a text, say this. Don't really care after that. Kind of drop it. Just you did your due diligence and posted something about it. Blah blah blah. Right. Um. And we had an all associate town hall that was obviously just within the company. It was not public to anyone. And we had like the leadership in the leadership in the black community come up and speak about like their like everything. Like I was in a group chat with my with my teammates, and they were like they were like moved to tears at a lot of the things that they were saying, and they like. They instituted all of these things of like we are going to put in put into effect policies internally in this company to make it easier to voice things that like struggles you find or things like that. We want to open dialogues. We want to do. We want to talk about it more. And I was like, it's insane because I, I I was so in awe at a company for doing that. Where like you literally could have just posted something. Definitely. And and no one would have cared. No one cared. And this wasn't even for shareholders. This wasn't even for the public to see as a good PR move. This was just 
We care about our associates. And it made me wonder who else is actually doing that besides Ben and Jerry's. Uh, <laughs> Yo, ben and Jerry's, they go hard. They go hard. They went. Ben and Jerry's was I love ben no and Jerry's. joke. It was scathing. I ride Ben amazing. and Jerry's ice cream to this forever. You know how many lifelong customers they got from that. And then the Me, picture of both right of them here. sitting there. One. Just the both of them sitting there like after just having gotten arrested for protesting. Amazing. <laughs> that's what I want to see though, right? Like let's go. That's what it's all about. It's the solidarity. And it's the and it's the visual it's like the visible representation um that we need to see. I, I think that that's really what's most important. I think so going back to this um and I'm just curious. I don't I doubt we'll get an uh, like an, obviously a right answer, but when, so we look back on history, we see the women's suffrage, suffrage movement. Women got the right to vote from that. That was what came out of that. Um, when we look back on history, civil rights, uh, schools, water fountains, everything was desegregated, I believe, after that is what happened. Say again? Uh, after the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s, uh, desegregation was more or less the solution there. I mean... 60s and 70s, I think, were later because, like, schools were desegregated in 65, I think. Brown v. Board, Brown v. Board of Education. Um, and then Loving v. Virginia was 69. So, like, things were, I think, desegregated by the 70s. Definitely. Okay. And that was, was that, like, the, the goal or the end was that, of the movement? Was that, like, the goal or the end of the movement? Uh, for the civil rights era, I don't know. And I think that also speaks to a, my lack of historical understanding, but B like a lack of just like historical understanding that I don't think a lot of people have, like, when did it officially start and when did it officially end? I don't know. And, and if we're going to say it ended, like, like you're saying, what were the goals and what were the intentions? Because I, I would argue maybe we're still living in that era, right? If we're yeah. still seeing so many of the disparities that were initially fought for, then I don't know. I don't know. But a quick Google search could answer that question. <laughs> My The reason I ask and what I want to follow follow into is what, what do you think will these – protests be considered aside aside from the black lives matter protests what do you think we'll look back on and say this is what they accomplished okay i like that question so to clarify a few things brown v board of education was 54 and the civil rights era i guess technically was 54 to 68 so there are your dates wow it's weird to think that okay it's weird to think that my dad was like in school at that point <laughs> yeah it's really crazy it's really really weird to think about and then what's crazier to think about is like it's like think about I, I see so many of my friends too like posting about how close they are to their grandparents or when their grandparents passed how close they were and it's just like to think about having a grandparent right that you are very close to who hates black people who hates Mexican people, who hates people who are not white, right? That child then has a child 
that is how gener that that's how we get the trauma that we get through the generations. But that's also how it is so well enforced today. Like the same feelings and sentiments that you have and towards your your grandparents and the same feelings you have about the morals that they passed on to you are the same feelings that so many of these people feel towards their loved ones. And so when you're saying like, oh wow, it's like weird to think that my parents lived through that time, like they have very solid concrete opinions because they lived through that time so they have very firm affirmations and things to teach their children um subsequently and it's just crazy because like when i see kids like today or when i see people today talking about like oh like racism is dead or like it's not gonna happen i'm like just wait like just give it like a day and you'll see something like you'll see something in the news or give it a week because it's like the 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 chief who was enforcing black people not being able to drink at the same fountain or not being able to swim at the same pool or not eat at the same diner, that's the grandfather of the kid that you're telling me is, like, just so far removed from racism that I have no fears. I should be just comfortable believing that we've defeated the beast. No, like, that's not reality. That's not the reality of the situation. When, and, and then you can just compare it to your own feelings, right? So many of your traditions and your morals and your beliefs that you got from your grandparents and your parents and how strongly you feel about those things, you know, religion, your thoughts on, on equal, equality among the sexes, gay rights, you know, these are social issues, uh, the right, to, uh, women's right to choose. These are social issues that are passed typically and generally passed on through the generations. And so... I'm not, I'm not surprised to see it. Me, me and my mom had a talk about that the other night because I was trying to explain everything that's going on in a way that she could understand. Um, and she brought up her mom and like how her mom raised her of like, in a, in a very racist way. Like I love, I love my grandmother, uh, may God rest her soul. She passed away earlier this year. Um, but I'll never forget like that. And she never talked about it to me, but like there were, you could tell there were things that she didn't agree with. She didn't like, and things like that. Um, and then she was exactly what you just said. Like, that's how she grew up and that's who she was. I'll never forget, um, which is a bad, I feel like this is the worst memory to have of your grandparents. So maybe I'll find some other ones that are good, <laughs> but I'll never forget. I, um, someone mentioned to me that they knew of a church that you couldn't be gay in. Mm -hmm. Um, like you could attend the church, but you could not be considered an official member if you were gay which I thought was a very weird and specific distinction. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked my grandma, I, 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 I did it strategically because I was like, hey, I have to go to the bathroom. But real quick question, because I thought if I frame it that way, I won't get into like a really long discussion. Right. I said, I have to go to the bathroom, but are gay people allowed at your church? And she said, and she just immediately, you could see her like go on the offensive a little bit and just like, well, um, they can come, but they can't be a member. They can't be a member of the side. I'm like, okay, so you're exactly like the other church. Um, and I started like, I started like rattling off like, well, Jesus said, love everyone, love your neighbor, right. blah, 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 all this stuff. And she goes, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'm laughing about it now because it's just so laughably horrible. But she goes, well, you know who really hates the gays? Those Muslims. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I absolutely lost my shit. <laughs> I was just like, wow, like, yes. that's something you oh said out gosh. loud. We love it, but that's like... And you thought that was deflection, you thought that was good. Yes, yes. 
we're not as bad as them with our hatred of the game. It was it was just such it was a moment that like again I love my grandmother dearly, but it was just one of those moments where I was just like, I can't believe that your views and stuff did not stick on me, and I'm very I was very grateful at that moment that I was able to educate myself beyond how I was raised. I um, have so much respect for people that outgrow their like passed down their 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 inherited prejudices like people who recognize that their parents or people who taught them were wrong i give them like all tense all tense because it's tough like it's Mm -hmm. clearly it's difficult but i'm like in the middle of that right now (laughs) yeah it's so it's so tough ah but because you love this person but i like but I like that you can laugh about it now because the whole point is that it's not that you don't love the person, but the person can be wrong, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's the issue. <laughs> They're wrong. Racism is wrong. Homophobia mm-hmm. is wrong. These are things that if we're evolving, we do need to denounce. And with your family, with people that you care about closely. And you have to, like, that's the thing. I Like, I've been getting in a lot of fights with a lot of friends recently. And, like, I've probably lost a couple um, because of it. But, like, I, I had people, when I told them, I'm like, yeah, I got in a fight with this person. They said, that's ridiculous. You should not be friends. Like, political views should not uh, separate you from your friendships. I'm like, these aren't political views. These are human rights views. This is this shouldn't be part of, this is bipartisan problems. Yep. That, that people should have rights. Yep. That people should not be discriminated against. Like, these are not, these are not left or right um I'm waiting for the for the. North it's not like parks. we need to spend money on public parks, and then Republicans are like, we need to save that money because we want to put it towards education. That's not like that's politics. What we're, what we're talking about is like you want to lock people up <laughs> who haven't committed crimes at the border, and we're like, that's not cool. That's actually a humanitarian crisis we have something called the united nations and they said that's not legal that's not okay and you're doing it like that's what you're saying you're saying like we're arguing about human rights we're arguing about like people's rights to hygienics we're arguing about people's rights to legal counsel we're arguing about people's rights to health care for us at this... people's rights to fucking jog to j- yeah right right so at this point it's not about politics right mm-hmm. unfortunately it seems as though politics has devolved into this this state where it's like we're arguing not about like policy, right? But we're arguing about whether we treat certain people like people, <laughs> and that if that's what the framework of our politics is, then yes, if that is what it is, we're gonna have to be cutting ties with some people as we discuss mm-hmm. politics, because at that point we're not discussing whether or not I yeah. think my taxes need to go towards fixing potholes in Tennessee or like whatever I think a political issue is as opposed to maybe a civil rights issue or a humanitarian rights issue, which aren't things that I think are up for debate at this point in time. Mm-mm. That's, that's, that's what really got me was like it. There were a lot of points in conversations that I had where I said, if that's truly what you believe, then this just is. It's just, we can't, we can't discuss it. I can't tell you to be a good person. Like, I can't yeah. tell whatever that football guy, I still can't remember his name. 
Drew Brees. That guy. Like, I can't tell you to protest. I can't make you. Yeah. But you can't tell me not to. <laughs> yeah. All right. So about an hour 15 on that. How do you guys feel? Is there any wrap ups you want to give? Eric, uh, I know you were looking. I just want to. <laughs> Most of the stuff I was looking up was like memes regarding this, but like <laughs> I, I, there was one that I had to laugh at because going back to shitting on Fox News hosts, uh, there was one that came up. Um, someone like the the comments like the that moment when you meme yourself, and it's a picture of Tucker Carlson with his ugly ass face, and the banner of the news story is "What does racism look like." <laughs> <laughs> I had to laugh so hard at that. You know what kills me about like a lot of those fo- sorry to interrupt, but those Fox memes, like they don't even make those like those are the real headlines. Yeah. Like, yeah not, like people aren't making like it's real. It's not like the what are you gonna do? Stab me? Quote, a man who was stabbed. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not it's like these are just like real headlines. Like I said, like the onion, like they just yeah yeah it's like come on are we and that's what i was saying too it's like at a certain point it's 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 like it is as bad as it seems like Mm -hmm. things if it sounds racist to you and if it makes the hairs on your neck stand up it probably is as racist as it is like we are racist thing like i would love i think i forget which comedian it was but I've, i've always wanted to enact this in my life where i say i say the phrase i don't want to be racist but and then, and then I just end it with something like, I don't really like fi- ficuses. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like something that's not even remotely racist, but like just reiterating, I'm not trying to be racist. And then like, just to see if somebody can get offended and then be like, <laughs> and what did you mean by that? How does racism play a role in that? F- ficuses are exclusively in, uh, brought in. Right. Like, and like see if they like, deconstruct it on their own. I'm not. I'm not racist, but Neapolitan ice cream is pretty good. <laughs> okay, but like, are you saying that because black people? <laughs> are you saying that the chocolate and the vanilla ice cream right. are equal or not? <laughs> like, what do you mean by that exactly? What about the strawberry? Yeah. I thought strawberries life mattered too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like you you've eaten one third of your Neapolitan ice cream and you're like, look, all lives matter, all ice cream flavors matter right now. But the but the uh, vanilla is gone, and <laughs> that's the one that matters. <laughs> I hate it. I hate um, it. do you guys have any other closing remarks? Um, I want to close on. I guess since we were talking just briefly about like the protests that are happening, and I guess that was like the catalyst for this whole podcast. Um, a lot of people have been like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do? What exactly is the change that we need to be implementing? Like, where do we actually begin? And there's a lot of really good resources I've seen. But I do want to just comment really briefly on this one. Uh, the NAACP called specifically on a list of things that they want to see um, in terms of police reform. One, they want to see a ban of the use of knee holes and choke holes as an acceptable practice for police officers, which I think is crazy that we allow choke holes and knee holes as acceptable practices for officers. Two, uh, I should mention this, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, five. Um, So that was one. Two, 
The use of force continuum for any police department in the country must ensure that there are at least six levels of steps with clear rules on escalation. So that means that you can't just roll up to the site with a gun. Like there needs to be six levels of escalation that you check off that we can observe with a web or with a body cam or a dash cam or whatever the case may be. If there is an altercation that we can then verify to say, okay, this person did everything within their power to not kill often unarmed black people right so that's two three on that point mm-hmm. um like i've seen a lot of posts about from like uh like military vets or like people in the military like saying like we have to have all of these steps before we can like actually shoot someone yeah yeah like why is it why is that why are why, why are why are police officers held to a lower standard than we do in a battle zone right that's, that's the thing that gets me right? about stuff like that like yeah like it's just nuts to me. I think someone mentioned that, like, they pointed out with body cams. They were like, how is an a, an off button on that? Yeah. Like, like I, I when I yeah. when I sold beer, we were not allowed to turn off our, our, our GPS tracker without right. repercussions. We only sold beer. <laughs> like, like, how are they allowed to just turn off their body cam and then someone dies and they go, I don't know. Like, it was that's, off. that's Craziness so to insane me. to me. Craziness to me. So three, like, each state's Open Records Act must ensure officer misconduct information and disciplinary histories are not shielded from the public. I don't know why the fuck I can't just, as somebody who's a taxpaying citizen who funds the police, I don't know why as... If they're a public servant, I cannot look up that record. If you pull me over, I have a right to know who you are. Because often what we find is that these officers have histories of abuse. Especially the ones who are killing people, right? <laughs> it's not the f- I, lo- I love that. I love that. You get pulled over and they go, license registration. I go, badge number and name, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But literally me. Literally me. Literally me. Because I'm going to document this encounter. And we need to establish this kind of... this. At least, if we can't have a system where police recognize that they are here to serve the public, right? Like mm-hmm. they are public servants. At least then we need to establish the power dynamic such that we are on equal levels <laughs> where if you're going to identify me, I have a right to identify you because right now it's so warped that we are mm-hmm. bottom tier and they hold all of the power in these encounters. That's not, po- that, that, that can't be the case. I like the idea of, I like the, sorry. I like the idea of after you're done a police encounter, the policeman goes, and please fill out and rate and review us on, on <laughs> Yelp. How please please explain how your encounter went, how well how well you did. Like if you would ten out of ten would be arrested. Can again. you imagine? <laughs> Take this survey for ten percent off at uh, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> at Ben and Jerry's. At Ben and Jerry's. Can you imagine? But can but you like, imagine? But like that would that would hold them to a steam, and then like if they get a bad review or something, like I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. It's just, it's crazy. Four, recertification credentials may be denied for police officers if determined that their use of deadly force was unwarranted by federal guidelines. Yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty valid. I don't think you should be able to recertify your credentials if it's in fact determined that you were using deadly force that was unwarranted. I don't know why that isn't something that is. Again, it's not even to say that these things are happening. It's to say that we don't have legislature in place. We don't have it explicitly written that these are where police rights and powers end and when the people's rights and powers begin. 
then that's what the whole point is. And the last one, implementation of citizens review boards, which I think is so important in municipal in municipal can never say this word in municipalities to hold police departments accountable and build public confidence. Yeah, this whole idea of like policing to police the police. Ridiculous, stupid, and yeah, everybody needs to say that word. Municipalities, municipalities. Municipalities. There was a um, there's a really great meme. There's a really great meme where someone posted that was like, my uncle believes that uh, six different referees in six different states should review every single touchdown in an NFL game, but thinks that but but thinks that body cams are unnecessary. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's nuts to me. It like, and I, I, I was saying this to Eric and to a couple of people, but like, it's insane to me that a doctor who does hold life and death in his hand on a lot of, in a lot of cases has to go through an obscene amount of, um, of years of schooling and training to make sure yeah. that before they can operate on someone before they can basically let someone live or die in their thing. And if they fuck it up through negligence, they can lose their, their medical license and no longer be able to practice medicine. Yep. Like, how and, I, that, and, and that's not even it. Then you get sued for malpractice, mm-hmm. right? So not only do you lose your job because you didn't do your job correctly, now we're going to sue you because you didn't do your job correctly. Here what we have is not only do we not say you did your job incorrectly, we allow you to continue in most cases for these officers to do their job incorrectly. And if they and Oh, he's gonna be on paid leave. Yo and, like right. Alright, I'm right. not gonna right. I'm not gonna out this person, but I you commented on the status, Eric, and I have been screaming alone in my apartment randomly. Two years paid. I have just been screaming that because someone said instead of six months for a cop, they should get two years of paid training. What fucking job pays you for two years to be able to do it fuck you you have to pay college oh it pisses i my cat probably thinks that something happened two years ago but (laughs) i have been screaming to this randomly just because it just keeps popping into my head that someone thinks two years paid is good for a cop motherfucker i had to go to school for four years to market to someone (laughs) Not to shoot that's what anyone. We need. That's what just... we need. No, that's what we need, though. We like, need, co- we need, they need four years, except instead of us paying for it, they need to pay an educator like everybody else who holds a professional license, right, to be taught how to do their job. That's what it is. I don't understand this idea of we need to pay for those officers. Why do I need to pay for some? Never mind. I almost, I almost dragged a profession. <laughs> I almost dragged the profession for a lot of uh, oh, it just gets me. I just I can't get over that comment, Eric. I'm really sorry. I can't. Yeah, I, I I didn't even like see that comment. I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna like, wake one. up in the middle of the fucking night tonight, screaming two years paid. <laughs> um, Did she get likes? Did they like it? Did they like? They liked my response to it, where I said eight years. <laughs> but like. Because this came up, this this came up in like one of my other like uh, group chats was like we were wondering like how much training do police actually get? So I like looked up like what's like the duration for like police academy stuff. It's like 
literally it's basically like six months. Mm-hmm. It's like imagine going to school for six months to do the job that you're going to do for the rest and of And I'm life. not going to lie. I have a friend who's a <laughs> cop and I have been playing poker with him and his cop buddies over every, every Tuesday and stealing all of their money because they all are very <laughs> bad at poker and I'm apparently good at it. Um, but I, yeah, I've been, that's been my part. <laughs> I've been playing my part <laughs> of taking money away from steal cops. their money, steal their money and donate it to black. Lives. That's what it's all about. You better Robin hood these people. But, um, but he went to four years to get a criminology degree and then he went into the police academy and got it. And it's not like he's like, he's making good money from what he told me. Like he's not making, and he does it's not that he works, like he doesn't work in Philly. Um, but he makes pretty good money and he, like he bought a house alone without like, without a wife or a, a girlfriend. He just lives by himself on a house on from a decent down payment. And like, imagine just six months of school and you get a decent, like you get a good buy a house on your own paycheck. Right. That sounds good. That's fine. And that doesn't bother me. But what does bother me is when that person who went to school for six months and is living that comfy lifestyle gets a gun and doesn't have appropriate training to have that gun and then shoots somebody who looks like me. <laughs> that is a problem. Like, that is a huge, 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 huge huge problem <laughs> i can just imagine as bad as this sounds like a, a black guy going wait a minute that guy looks like, he just got killed he looks like me and then like literally probably five days later that guy just got killed he looks like me too yeah and that you want to know the gag killed. he looks like me too you know that you want to know the gag like i'm gonna really drive you crazy when you listen to the police like the radio reports when they're apprehending suspects when they pull over these black people who die, they're like, well, suspect has a wide set nose. That's the descriptor of the suspect. Suspect is black. That's mm-hmm. the descriptor of the subject. When I say ah. they look like me, I don't even, and when you're like making a joke, like, oh, that, that guy looks like me. It's not even to say like, they literally look like you, right? It would be, it would be funnier if it was a doppelganger, right? And you were like, mm-hmm. huh, like these people actually do look like me. That's not even like, it's not even that quality of a joke. It's not even that good. They're saying, because you're black, you mm-hmm. are the suspect, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. that is like bewildering. That's terrifying. That's the issue. Chris Rock had that had that joke too, which I don't know if you've seen his special on, called Tambourine on Netflix. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, very, very good. But he mentions, he's like, that, so they say that these cops are just a few bad apples, just a few bad apples. And he says, well, maybe some jobs just shouldn't be allowed to have bad apples. Yeah. If, if you're a pilot and you say, oh, well, our, sometimes our pilot likes to land. Like he shouldn't be a pilot. He shouldn't have that you job. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. You don't get to be a surgeon. And yeah, surgeons make mistakes, but we 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 record those mistakes. And they get held accountable to those mistakes by independent committees. And they didn't just go, "All right, well, we we told you where a thorax is on a human, right. and they don't have them." Um, right. <laughs> I, meant, I meant to say uh another appendix. Uh, we know you where the appendix is. We showed you a picture. Go fucking do it. Like they have so much, so many years of training. That's fucking insane to be, to be a doctor. Um, he also had a really great joke about guns versus knives where a guy can shoot a gun into a crowd of hundreds of people, kill all of them. 
But if if you're at a concert and you see a guy get stabbed and you go, oh, shit, that guy got stabbed. Oh, <laughs> shit, he stabbed another guy. Oh, shit, he's coming right for me. Oh, shit, he stabbed me. You fucking deserve to get stabbed. Right. Like, there's a level of, like, I always hate this whenever people – the conversation is going, like, so many different ways. But just, like, when people talked about – um other countries to model our gun reform after um a lot of people are like well when people who are anti-guns they're like well look at these countries that don't have guns a lot of pro-gun nra supporters say well look at all of these knife attacks and look at all of these bat attacks and look at all of these and like, yeah but look at the numbers like then they're nowhere near the tragedies that we have here because you cannot Shoot, like, like I don't even know what the rounds are. I'm not going to expose myself as ignorant on guns. I'll just tell you I'm ignorant on guns. But I know that these guns have amazing capabilities in 2020. Mm-hmm. And that is the sort of power that we're saying we don't need in the hands of a random person. That's the thing that gets me, too, is, like, we – it's not like we're in a vacuum, Right. Like like, the one thing I will say, I get a lot of the arguments of like why certain things that work in other countries won't work here. Um, Right. We are a very populous country. We are huge. We are one of the few countries that has literally every form of um, geographic phenomenon possible. We have everything Mm. from swamps to mountains to to deserts to tundras in Alaska, to uh, volcanic places in Hawaii. We have everything. Not every country has that. Yeah. Not every country has this many people spread out over so many different areas that certain things just aren't applicable or able. Wyoming doesn't even have a million people in the goddamn state. <laughs> How fucking ridiculous is that shit? But I, so I get that we can't say, well, Norway is able to do this. Why can't we? Sometimes it's just not feasible because we're just such different. But it's not like we're alone in this policing thing. Right. Um, it's not like we don't have models that we can look after. It's not that – like there are so many countries that are doing the right things or that are not even – we're not even necessarily doing the right things but are have better numbers. Japan, the number of people – what was – I saw a thing that was like one person in Japan – has been killed by a police officer and like the document the documentation around it made it out to be like the biggest accident gone wrong in the entire country like it might it might have japan it might have been another one i want just to say that i don't exactly remember what country it was but how how can we not look at them and go well they have something going on right what about this co-? like we can there are so many resources we could use right like it's but i'll tell you why i'll tell you why money and on next week's podcast we'll get into capitalism because that's really all it's about right because literally in the opposition to all of the legislature that we would want to see that would prevent us from seeing all of the gun deaths that we have are people who want guns sold people who want guns owned and why do they want guns sold and owned well they like them but b because of money because they're making fucking money it's always about money. I would I would lose my mind if you guys want to do a podcast with me. There's this book that I have. It's called How an Economy Grows and Why It Crashes. It's Ooh. one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, there are illustrations in it, like little, little, like little illustrations. 
but they basically like they show you um and they tell you and i think this book should be required reading in middle school because it's not it's not a heavy book it's not very dense like they literally they start off with saying um there are three people on an island and they must eat one fish a day to survive it takes them one day to catch one fish so most of what they do is catching a fish eating it and living one person then decides he's going to eat half of a fish, starve himself a little bit, and spend the ha- next half of the day trying to create a net so he can catch fish more efficiently. Once he does, he starves himself for three or four days, finally catches, makes a net. Now he's able to catch three fish in a day. So he now cannot eat for three days. He cannot fish for three days and spend that time doing something else. And it literally grows from that small analogy to – how the stock market crashed in 20, 2008 and how it affected America. Like it, literally, like it. it goes from such a small, easy to understand concept all the I way like up it. to everything. It I'm is a so, hug. it's so good. I read it in a day cause it, I couldn't put it down. I would love to buy both of you a copy of this book, have both oh, of you read the it mon- and discuss it. I'll send you my address right <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I love economy. I love, I love economics and things like that. I try to read right now. I'm reading a book called America's bank and how the, the struggle to create the fed. Um, I read a book on capitalism earlier this year. That was really I'm interesting. Down. I'm down. Um, I'm down. I, I, Listen, I would love to read. More. I want to understand money more. I want to understand money more. And I want to understand the power of money more because I genuinely believe that money is the root of all evil. And if we understood money more as a society, I think we would understand why we have so much. It, it's one of those things of like, I read this book and I'm sorry to harp on this book now. Um, but like, I didn't, it, it was amazing to me what I didn't understand and like how a, something could be so simple Explained mm. through just fish, um, and trade of fish, and how, and it, it literally what it does is it tells you basically the fish analogy and then what it means in the real world. So like one Joey, point, one point it tells you that like the banks of the fish, the thing, the people that held the fish, uh, realize that if they cut the fish just a little smaller than the normal fish that you would catch, they could get away with it and still be vaguely worth one fish. And that they kept doing that and doing that until the fish was so small and like that their fish was nothing compared to the fish across the pond in another island. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's just, it's so well done. Um, yeah. I'm going to get it. It made me, it made me so interested in things. like. I'm going to get like, it. Is it a new book? Is it new? It's wet, really old, really old. I'll find I'll, it. I'll, I'll, find I'll it buy it for you. I'll buy it for you. Fuck it. I want people to learn about this. Um, please. Please read it if you want to have any kind of uh, understanding about economics. It's not it's not highbrow. It's very quick, very easy to read, and it teaches you a lot. It did make me fiscally conservative. Like it made yeah. me it made me realize the Republican side of like finance, which right. made me understand that side of it. But right. I think the problem is you get you get not uh, socialist so, socially. Uh, problems but anyway let's let we are we have we've spoken on this for about an hour and a half now let's 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 wind down a little bit go back into our normal hop topic stuff andrew you brought a topic that was a little more relaxing a little more interesting which i don't know how i how i pulled that out of my ass this week because yeah right relaxed at all i i could have sworn (laughs) your topic was going to be exactly this 
anxious as hell. But in my need to escape, which I encourage everybody to do, I think like we obviously we need to have this conversation, like right, this is important. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're all people, and I think at the end of the day, we all have mental healths, and those are equally as important as your physical health, and you need to maintain that if you're gonna contribute to the fight long term. So I escaped to Mars and I watched a whole documentary about Elon Musk and his pursuit with SpaceX. And it was super interesting. And I was like, honestly, you know, with Mars being such a, a real goal for space travel and the desire to have a colony on Mars because of the idea that, like, humans need to be a spacefaring species to survive one way or another, no matter how you cut it. We have to get off this planet. We have to go somewhere else one way or another. Um, and so it begs the question, right? One group of people will be among the first. What will that mean for that group of people? And would you be one of those people if that opportunity was presented to you? I don't know. But like, could you imagine like if it was like a one way trip and you could never come back or like if you had to go up and the obligations were that you had to establish essentially a new society, like that comes with obviously some maybe fame and some like praise but that also comes with like bro you have to establish a colony on a new planet that you could die on like you could get eaten you could get a new disease there could be a parasite like you don't know what's on this planet so i don't know i just kind of want to know what you guys think because i think space is cool i think space is real and i don't know it's interesting and it takes me off this fucking planet because i'm over it <laughs> i'm so over it. speaking of which i love that i love that tweet where it's like congratulations to the two astronauts that left earth good choice yeah like just seriously <laughs> just like like i just want to think about any i i want to get myself as far removed from earth as possible i i will say this uh i i never download uh an apple software update right when it comes on my phone uh, so I don't think I'm going to be the first person <laughs> to try that. Which is uh, fair. Which is totally fair. Because, like, obviously, things go bad. Like, things will go bad. And it's just like, I wonder what would go bad. Is more so the curiosity. And would that be enough to stop me? I don't know. It, it depends. I don't know. Like, I like, I like my life. Like, do you, do you like Earth? And do you... <laughs> I'm fortunate enough that I can. Like... Yeah, like I mean, I've been I've been saying it during quarantine, and I, I I feel guilty, and like I I've a lot of people I've I've talked to have felt the same. Where like uh-huh. my life, like twenty twenty, has been a shit year collectively, but personally, yes. it's not been that bad for me. Like I actually agree with you. I agree with you in the sense that like I have my health, my finances are secure. Like I mean, that's right there is so much more than can be said about. A lot of people. So I'm blessed. I'm definitely blessed. I have I, working I, would, I was fortunate enough to I still have a job throughout everything. Not only that, I got a new job that with a with a raise and everything out of it that's great. Uh, in a new awesome company. I'm I'm starting to save for a house. Like um I think a lot of my so friends are better than ever. What if I'm what lonely if as hell. I told you what if I told you I will send you to Mars I'll give you your own plot of land. Everything's paid off. You can bring your cat, have a beautiful life, but obviously you can't come back to Earth. You don't have to work a day in your life. Food's on the table, but you got to eat like the weird space mush or whatever the whatever the, the water processed food is that they have. So McDonald's? As you try to grow vegetation. 
Um, two questions. I don't know. I, I'm slightly... two questions. Number one, can I still podcast? You can podcast. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And I still have you can watch community. movies. You can do everything you want. But like, here's the thing, right? The movies, right, and the podcasts. You could bring all the ones from Earth, but the new content is obviously all stuff that you have to put out on. I can't. I don't have Netflix. I don't have Netflix. No, you don't. You can you can bring old movies, but like Netflix itself is an Earth thing. Like no, you have to make your own Mars Netflix. You have to make your own civilization on a planet. I, I, that means I don't get. I have to make my own Mars Taylor Swift. I don't think I can do that. Yeah, Legally. like all new music. What show. if she came up with? If, yeah, you? I was gonna say my next. What question, if she came up with? You? My next question was how many redheads do I get to bring with me? Um, <laughs> yeah, oh what are the stipulations? <laughs> oh, but that's a good question. Do we want there to be a homogenized population? Because, like you were saying, I like that. There's a lot of reasons why we would want that. Right, everybody to think the same religion, everybody to just believe the same things. It would be a perfect society. I would love, I would love, because I think it's also thematically correct that everyone on Mars is a redhead, because it's the red <laughs> planet. <laughs> it would make I me happy. And... Hate <laughs> you so. <laughs> Wait, okay, but here's the real question for you: How genetically? How are you going to sustain that model? Redheads are a recessive trait. I know. So how? Are, what are you going to do for the non-redheads in that society? Uh, well, one, we burn them at the stake. Exile. Uh, two... <laughs> Joey can't come to Mars. <laughs> um, I think I think I might have the redhead trait. I have no real scientific evidence to back this up, but I do get red hairs in my beard a lot. Um, maybe maybe, so you maybe do. i do i don't my mom was dark haired i don't know about my dad my grandmom was was blonde i don't know get um a genetic test i don't want to because then that that proves definitively that i'm not like if, why would that be a bad thing because right now i still could be and i never know right now i'm right now are you one of those people? heritage right now i'm schrodinger's redhead and until i check <laughs> until i check I could still I have that. redheaded offspring. I hate that. I hate that. Hey, but that's real. Ignorance is bliss. Like living in that like state of unknown, it's nice. Yeah, it's it's for, in this specific it could, be, it could not be. You don't know. It's nice. Uh, I don't think I don't think I could be the among the first. Um, I kind of want to do it. I feel like it would be so interesting from a scientific perspective. But again, it's difficult too because I'm young and I don't have a family on this planet. I feel like I'm already in the mindset of a pioneer, but if I really had roots, I feel like it would be different. I I feel like I weirdly have roots where like yeah, like I in a, in a perfect world. I, I'm looking at this also as like if I could just move to California or something, could I? And I don't think I could <laughs> easily even do that. You don't think so? The problem is with me specifically is my mom being a single mother with one with an only child. I would That's feel. Rare. I would feel That's really. Fair. She doesn't even want me to move to, um, like Drexel Hill, which is like yeah. a thirty-minute drive from her house. That's too far. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm at least a nice ten minutes away. I can visit whenever. Um, that's important though. Immediate family is important. She, it, it, and that's it, a real thing. It's important. You wouldn't have that on Mars. No. <laughs> It'd be great. I I would like it. I'd be great. Um, I couldn't grill steak in Mars. Yeah. You could do all of that. It would just be different. 
I don't know, man. Did you, did you see the steak I made over the weekend? No. Where'd you post this? Uh, I might have been on Snapchat. I, I have a picture. I'll send it to you. I went to the you know butcher. I don't have Snapchat anymore. I went to the butcher last week, and I was like, oh, that steak looks pretty pretty good. I'll buy that one. Uh, I didn't realize it was a two and a half pound steak, and it was nineteen ninety nine per <laughs> pound. Um, oh so my I, god! I accidentally bought a forty five dollar steak. Um, Do you know how many you could you could get like two steaks at a restaurant for that? Yeah, yeah and like like the like the twenty two ounce. The like worst. The worst was I ended up actually uh, <laughs> buying a meat thermometer too, because I was like, "There's no way in hell I'm gonna fuck this steak up." Uh, and I took it over to my mom's yesterday to use her grill, and so because to share it, because there's no way I could eat it all. Um, and it came out, it came out better than any steak I've ever seen had at a restaurant ever. It was so I'm good. I'm happy for you. It was. I'm happy for it was you. Like a nice rare, medium rare. It was gorgeous. You oh, deserve it. So it. Good. You deserve it. So it. good. I was so proud of me. I was just so proud. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't know. I like I like that. I like cooking a little bit. I think so I would staying on Earth. I would need fine. a I would need to go with a okay. significant other at least. Yeah, that's fair. I that's fair. Yeah, I don't think I would be able to do it because like I'm like I think space is really cool and fascinating, but I'm also terrified of it. Like I like just like watching like watching the astronauts sitting in the capsule for like two hours before liftoff was giving me anxiety i like that you mentioned that because i wanted to talk about that like space travel you have to get over that too like that like just yeah he was talking about um he's like 20 percent of rockets fail i was like can you imagine like a fifth of rockets exploding like imagine then if we got to a place where we could do mars travel and even if it was like like a, a 50th, a 100th of the rocket. I don't want to be on that one out of 100 that blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Between here and Mars, yeah. like, anything <laughs> could happen in that time, in that Because, yeah, what is it? Like, it's months before they'd get to Mars, right? Like, it's Bro, not, it's like... it's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah, like, you're in that space. You're in that shuttle for months, I think. It's a long trip. It's a long trip. It's a long trip. But, again, yeah. it's like, but, oh, man. That's, that's cool. the other thing. Is like, for me, like, the idea of... Having my name in history sounds cool. It's not even history in the sense of like 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 Neil Armstrong to the moon. Mm -hmm. It's history in the sense of like man colonized the planet. Mm -hmm. Like that is so to me so cool. But obviously, for all of the reasons that you're mentioning, it's such a a, a, mm -hmm. a, a difficult. I mean, decision. you'd win civilization. Yeah. Sid Meier's civilization game. You'd win that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I almost bought on the Switch, but it's, like, so expensive. Switch Switch sucks for that. Because, like, PS4, their sales are so fucking good. Like, you can buy anything for under $10. Sony, they're doing really well. Like, they do really well. Uh, they do well. I bought, I remember, because I wanted to get The Witcher 3. And I saw yeah. it was on Switch. Because I've heard nothing but great things about The Witcher. And uh -huh. it was $60 on Switch. Yes, yes. It was on sale on PS4 with the complete two extra DLCs, which are like $20 each, for 10 bucks. And the graphics were better. And the graphics were better. 4K, 4K, HDR. Like, like it was insane to me. Like, I bought, I did buy, and I'm very excited about this, no, July or June 23rd it comes out. 
SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydration is coming out on the Switch. Wait, I'm buying it. It's I'm like it was like thirty bucks because it's it's a remake of it. But that game I was my it. fucking childhood. I fucking no, mine loved too. It. I, I love the, that you they, played it. They need to come up with that. I need I need SpongeBob the movie video game because that game was fucking great. I need SpongeBob Lights Camera no, Pants. Uh, you didn't like SpongeBob Lights Camera Pants? Uh uh-uh. uh. I thought it was cute. It was like a little Mario Party SpongeBob game. I like. I don't know if I like. I thought I. I think I hated the Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, but I think I think my 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 copy of the game was fucked up. Joey's a real stand. I've only played like one game. When Joey's- I was when I was a kid, uh-huh. when I was a kid, I was a huge fun. I had like two complete seasons of the show on DVD, along with like six or seven of like the random episodes on a DVD. I remember I had. One of them, I think it was Spongebob Sea Stories, was a DVD that oh someone my had. God. Where it was just, it was basically just him. Like, you just saw, like, the sponge part and his pants that made up the DVD. And it had, do you remember the episode Shanghai? Uh, where the... <laughs> we described the, the Flying yeah. Dutchman. They one where that? they meet the Flying Dutchman and the, the perfect... Uh, yes, okay. I thought you said Weast. Yep. No, no, wait. Is that... I thought you said Weast. No, that's not. I'm pretty it. sure that was the Shanghai. I don't episode. think that's. I we said I don't think it's Shanghai. Um, Shanghai is. I am. They were it up they now. were playing the shoots and ladder trying to find the treasure, and then don't they find the Dutchman? No, Shanghai starts with a an anchor going through SpongeBob's house, mm. and mm. they become and they become the Flying Dutchman's prisoner, and then they have to go through the perfume department to get out. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, I know what you're talking. And about. he gives a. Oh yeah, <laughs> they steal his special dining. <laughs> the fly of despair. They they. I just found the, that episode on. They steal his. Yeah. Is that the one with the snakes and escalators, Eric? No, no, it's the one. No, yeah, they 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 it's the the giant anchor crash into SpongeBob's house, and they believe it to be a baby that came yeah. from the sky. Uh, but then they climb up and they get onto Flying Dutchman's ship, and then that's when like Squidward gets like he mouths off, and he's like the Dutchman like opens up yep. a zipper and like the fly it's the despair. fly of despair and throws Squidward, and he's like falling through, and it's like spaghetti and meatballs, the, and, the, and they get but then they have to they, at the end of it they get uh, they steal his dining sock, they get uh, SpongeBob go uh, the Flying Dutchman goes, I'll give you three wishes, Patrick or Squid uh, Patrick says, make it five. <laughs> And he goes, four. And he goes, three. Four. Take three. it or leave it. Take it or leave it. And um, and then the first wish they do is they wish that Squidward was here. And as soon as he's out of the fly of despair, he appears right back on the ship. I hate the the reason that I- And then they're like, oh wow, I thought I wish I would have thought of that and earlier. It goes back like five minutes. Um the and the then- third wish though, they had three alternative endings where each person gets a wish. Um, and that's that was on the the DVD that I had where um, one of them wishes that they were a fruit salad like, or oh they wish that the flying Dutchman was the be- Dutchman a was a vegetarian, a vegetarian. Um, and, and then the, the blender yeah like- and he just blends them all in the ender uh, what were the other ones I don't that's the one that I remember I, I don't remember, remember the other ones yeah that was the one that was the one that was like aired but I think Joey's like the DVD yeah, they had they had the ender. one where Squidward got the, got it and one Squid I think the one with Squidward was. I wish I'd never met these two, and then nothing happens. It's just they. It's just they stay on the ship, and then and then Spongebob goes, 
oh hi hey nice to meet you i'm spongebob and and then they still get eaten and i forget what patrick's what patrick's was like something dumb like i wish i had like a fork oh it says okay there there are it says it here on the wiki says uh, patrick he wishes that he had gum and never lost its flavor and thus they are eaten by the flying dutchman begging him to let them out yep um but yeah no i was a huge spongebob like the biggest spongebob fan as a kid absolutely the way you were about SpongeBob, I was about Pokemon. Like I had all the games, I watched all the shows, I watched all the movies. Like I was about my shit. I feel you. What was what was your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite Pokemon game? Favorite Pokemon game. This is a tough question. I feel like I have sentimental connection to Pokemon Gold because okay. it was the first one I ever played. Um, ha! Fucking fake fan. I played Blue and Yellow first. Out of here. Oh, uh, whatever. Whatever. Gold was great, though. Gold was great. What was my favorite, though? Oh, man. That's such a hard question. I And I asked somebody this question the other day. I was like, what was your favorite region in Pokemon? Which is essentially, like, the same question. Which is your favorite game? Um, I have to say... I mean, I'm old. I liked the red, blue, yellow phase. I liked my little Kanto. I liked it. I got down with Pallet Town. I liked... Mine was... I was Hoenn. 100%. I liked Sapphire. That's my close second. That Actually, no. That's that's my third. Because I also like Johto with uh, the Chikorita, Bayleaf. I liked I liked Johto because I liked well, that they combined the two. Totodile. So I like that you could um, you could go from the Johto League once you beat it. You could go over to Kanto. And yes. That was amazing to me. And I wish that they had. That was a big game change my dream for that for that generation was that they just put all of them in one game where like you could yeah get, seriously. You could get like 32 fucking badges do whatever the hell you wanted and um, honestly like why can't you like when you look at a game like skyrim that's on the switch it's like you could make also an expansive uh rpg game hold on there was a we're we're so off topic right now um, highly but i i we just really need to devolve after all of that shit so i want to there's some fun facts about the pokemon game series very off topic from what andrew said um but do you guys remember Mira- i sent this to a group chat with eric in it do you guys remember mirage island in ruby sapphire and emerald yes mirage island was a, a specific him. island that only appeared if you talked to an old man once per day he would tell you if he saw something or uh, one of his dialogues would trigger it um, and so when you talk to this old man, the game would generate two random number bytes. Those bytes would have to both match. They also, the also random and unseeable personality values of one of your party Pokemon had to match those bytes. <laughs> Assuming you had a full party of six, that was a roughly one in 10,000 chance. That's rarer than finding a shiny. And it wasn't a once per random encounter. This was once per day. And this was the only way to find lychee berries and get gold Pokeblocks. <laughs> That's just a feature in this fucking game. Um, uh, Phoebus in Ruby Sapphire Emerald. Uh, <laughs> you had to, they only appeared. <laughs> Phoebus could only be found in one location by fishing in a pool of water. However, there are 400 tiles of water and only six random tiles will allow you to fish up a Phoebus. And these tiles are randomly generated when you begin the game, so they differ between everyone. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Though this was my favorite one. 
this is how fucked up my favorite generation of Pokemon is, by the way. Uh, the Reggies, Reggie Rock, Reggie Ice, Reggie Steel, all had a puzzle to unlock their domain written in Braille in some Bruh. hidden caves. The puzzles Bruh. require you to find the Pokemon Relicanth and Wailord and have them first and last slots of your party. In Emerald version, it was reversed. Wailord first, Relicanth last. This unlocks the other three puzzles. That's the first puzzle to unlock the other ones. For Regiice, you have to wait two full minutes in game without moving. Uh, in outside, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, this is why you I like this game. Yeah, uh, the instructions had you move right. <laughs> Using people, Regirock, you had to move right twice, down twice, and then have a Pokemon use strength on nothing. Like you just <laughs> let me tell you why I don't like this. I'm somebody that does like to catch everything, complete games, right? Get all the trophies, the achievements, whatever, 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 right? Imagine trying to do all of these things mm -hmm. to unlock. Imagine, all these but, but that's the thing too is, and the internet wasn't around. Like the internet wasn't at, like I bought Prima guides for these games to figure this shit out. Like oh my god, like I love that. that. You had to buy like books. Mm -hmm. This was another one. Sorry, I'm gonna keep going off on this rabbit hole, but. Attempting to use the Mew Encounter exploit with a Pokemon with a special stat of over 250. This is in, I believe, the original games. <laughs> Attempting to use the Mew Encounter exploit with a Pokemon with a special stat of over 250 results in encountering a glitch. A glitch trainer who causes the game to just flip absolutely the fuck out when trying to calculate how much money to award you afterwards. This results in a relevant memory uh, pioneer to shoot off to God knows where. And as a result, it just sends 200 unrelated hexadecimal values in the game to 99 in the process. Filling your party with a level 153 Bulbasaur that can only use explosion. <laughs> like, just think about the coding that went into this game. That that's a random bug that consistently happened. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. The red, the red and blue are why QA teams were invented. Uh, they weren't even badly programmed. They were like they were, uh, uh bleeding edge. What he says, I don't know what that means. A cutting edge, I would say. It's easy to forget that red and blue were literally pushed to the limits of what they could do to fit on a cartridge. They had like less than like kilobytes of RAM to deal with. And to put that in perspective, most computers need like eight gigabytes of RAM to run really well nowadays. And they were running these games with all of this stuff packed into it on kilobytes of RAM. Yeah. It's crazy. Red and blue. Were, uh, so, so not currently using a piece of memory repurposed it. Why can't we just, we can't just leave it around. Only have a couple registers, juggle them. Uh, does this data have any purpose? Uh, all of this worked, and I guaranteed you 99% of the children playing this never saw a bug in casual play. Modern games are buggier by a landslide. Remember <laughs> fucking X and Y. When X and Y came out, there was an entire city you couldn't save in because it would delete your save. Imagine that happening in the days of Red versus Blue. I can turn on my red cartridge today and have it work. And the bugs that did exist, those edge cases, they produce this behavior because your game refuses to crash. If you can make a crash, you can try really hard, but it's it's really difficult to do. Like, it's so nuts to me how great... Yeah, Game Boy has 8 kilobytes of RAM. 8 kilobytes of RAM. And then this, They built those things like tanks, though. This is my last one I'll read, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, because we're over two hours on my recording. But... <laughs> 
This guy says, I just watched a man release every Pokemon he caught except for a level five Magikarp, waste all of his money, and throw away all of his items at the Pokemon Center just before the Elite Four in Pokemon Red in order to trap himself in an unwinnable game. He couldn't beat the Elite Four with a level five Magikarp, and it couldn't learn any of the HM moves necessary to leave Victory Road. But Ma- and Magikarp only knew Splash and had absolutely no chance of beating the level 40-ish Pokemon in the Elite Four. So this guy wanders around Victory Road hoping a Geodude or a Graveler would use self-destruct or explosion in the first turn on of an encounter and miss. Which is technically possible because even moves of 100% hit rate have a 1 in 256% chance to miss. Are you kidding? It happened. <laughs> Are you kidding? Wait, hold on. Are you kidding? Yeah. It happened eventually, and he beat the Elite Four with a level 100 Gyarados. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's. Okay, this is the last one. This is la- I'm sorry, I keep going. There's Twitch. No, go ahead. Twitch plays Pokemon. I don't know if anyone was around during Twitch Release Pokemon. I vaguely was around and remember hearing it. Uh, the uh, the Helix Fossil fossil being uh, the Almighty God, Ammonite being God. Um, but basically what happened with Twitch Release Pokemon was a Twitch event where a few years where they used Twitch chat to, simul- to submit uh, button presses played on a layout of an old Game Boy to play Pokemon Red. So the Twitch chat played Pokemon. Eventually, they managed to beat the game. But... It sparked a very huge following, uh, and Mount Moon, Twitch decided to take the Helix Fossil, an item that could only be used to acquire uh, Ammonite later in the game. Um, they, they, whenever they realized, whenever they had, like a, they had to consult something, something would happen where they would randomly open their item menu and try to use the Helix Fossil. But since it had no function, people adopted the idea that they were consulting the Helix Fossil for advice, and that it was their lord and savior. <laughs> 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 it's almost like the magic it was like the magic conch exactly and it gets so much better this is my favorite part was uh due to random ars- random ass nicknames the pokemon got they adopted monikers to go with it so a couple of them was a b b b b b b b b b b b k was the starter pokemon charmander it was nicknamed abby <laughs> however it was released <laughs> j l v w n n o o o o o o was the ratatata nicknamed j lenos it was also released Oh my god. A A A B A A A A J S S was T was the Pidgeotto, uh the strong or Pidgeot, strongest Pokemon on the team and chosen by the Helix Fossil. It was nicknamed Bird Jesus. A A T T V V V was the team's Venomoth, lovingly nicknamed the All Terrain Venomoth. A-A-J was the team Zapdos caught with a Master Ball and dubbed Battery Jesus. However, he was a false prophet. <laughs> I hate this. A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-
As they go, they name the team. It goes a god, a messiah, an angel, a king, a prince, and an all-terrain vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) Delete it. Delete it. Delete it. All right, we're running a little bit long. Um, I'm glad we got to end on a little bit of a of an up note. Um, Andrew, where can we go to support the Black Lives Matter movement? What can what can we do? What websites? Oh we my, Atlanta. I mean, Google. Google is a powerful resource. There's not like one answer. I think, and I don't want to like misquote. So let me use Google as a resource. Like we have it, but I think if you literally just Google like Black Lives Matter, you can literally find the homepage. And there's so much shit. Yeah, you can go yeah. to the double NAACP's website. Uh, you can go on my Instagram if you want to reblog some content. Um, but really, I mean, Google it. Just Google it. But it's important that you educate yourself, find resources that are, um, you know, not fake. <laughs> Make sure your websites are like <laughs> .org, .gov, dot, not some like random .com. Donate when you can, where you can. Contact your representatives and your legislature, legislators. Um, and then, yeah, keep having the conversation. Show up, show out where you can. Participate in some riots, some rallies. Share the content. Social media is powerful. Like, people post. Do the posting. Like, there's just there's so much you can do. So, to answer that question, simply, it's do what you can. But, like, where to go for that resource? Google. 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 All right. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us this week. I hope to have you guys back uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, We'll talk about economy and shit that I really enjoy. (laughs) Um, We we took a break last week from all of our podcasts on our network. Uh, We are on the recently launched Three Three Philosophers Productions uh, podcasting network. Um, Look for a new podcast coming out relatively soon called Cinematology. Uh, where me and my friend Dan go over movies. We recently discussed uh, Bloodshot, the new Vin Diesel movie, uh, and Daredevil, the old really, really bad movie from 2003. Um, also, be on the lookout for our Taylor Swift podcast. We need to calm down. Wow. Uh, posting every t- Tuesday night, um, where me and my friend Devin go over some Taylor Swift stuff and fan out hard. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you guys stay safe and do well stay safe much love black lives matter